0: And welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source in the long haul. Who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? How can we fit more people in the room to work on cool stuff together? Today, I'm really excited to introduce our guest. First, I want to say that we have another panelist on besides me. Hello, I'm Richard. We also have Pia Mancini. Pia, how are you doing?
1: Hi, everyone.
0: And our guest today is Hong Fuk Tang. Hong Fuk Tang is A really awesome open source contributor, longtime member of Sustain. She was at the event in Brussels last year. Very excited to have her on the podcast here. She is the founder of FOSS Asia, a huge community of open source enthusiasts in Asia, and also works with Zalando, I believe a clothing manufacturer and store that's pretty awesome in Berlin, where she lives. And she's joining us from there today. How are you doing today?
2: I'm great. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited to have this conversation with you, and I'm so glad to see Pia online today. And the last time I saw her, it was in Brussels, that like you said. So I, I saw so uh, I saw you a few days ago, Richard, in in another event. But Pia, this is the first time in a while. For sure. So I'm very happy.
0: So, Howard can you tell us a bit about what you do at Zalando? How do you work on open source with them?
2: Zalando is, as you said, it's a fashion one of the biggest online platform in Europe. And uh, they develop application. They use a lot of open source to develop their platform. The thing about Zalando is and they contribute a lot to open source. So they, they build the platform. They release a lot of tooling to the community because and been, uh, their foundation. So they build up from open source. Therefore, they see the need of contributing back to the community to be engaged in the open source world. So I'm helping them on the open source strategies. I'm also designing onboarding, open source onboarding for new colleagues who join Zalando. So working on the open source policy, the release process, the adoption process. And also there's a feedback of how people can collaborate within uh, the company. It's 200 different teams and they're all independently taking care of one micro service. And it need to, to have a connection, and coordination where people can work more effectively together. And this is my job.
0: That's amazing. I can see how working internally makes a lot of sense. 200 teams is a lot. Using inner source to make sure that goes forward, that they can all work together, makes a ton of sense for me. All right. So I want to segue a bit here. You're not only working at Salando, although it's a really awesome company. You're doing great work there. I think you're doing great work. I'm allowed to say that. Hooray. I want to learn more about FOSS Asia. So you're the founder of FOSS Asia. What is
2: it? So FOSS Asia is an organization that develops software and hardware from a local community based uh, in Asia. And the organization uh, started in 2009. And besides, like, they developed a solution with the community. We also organize events like the FOSS Asia Summit, which will happening very soon, in two weeks, Yeah, in Singapore. Yeah, normally, but uh, this year, we do it online. And also, we have some on-site uh, workshops. In Singapore, so we uh, run events, uh, and then we also do coding programs that teach young students to learn how to code and contribute back to open source uh, projects. But the whole idea of Force Asia, so the goal, the mission of Force Asia, is to foster open source movement in Asia and like bring more people to the ecosystem. And uh, yeah, so increase really the adoption in Greece, the solution that coming out of this region, particular region of the world, we also want to connect with, uh, with people outside of Asia to learn from each other and to collaborate on projects.
1: Hong, I'm curious, like the, the whole like false mentality and ethos was at least in like non-Asian countries, it was a bit of an uphill battle for adoption and how, how was that experience in Asia? Did you, how did you find like maybe early on the reaction of the companies and kind of the general kind of business ecosystem about FOSS principles?
2: Peer use are completely right. So it's not the companies that drive the adoption of open source and the movement in Asia. So uh, it's different from, like from country to, uh, to country, but I could say that majority started with education. So it started in education institution. People learn about linux kind of people learn about okonom uh, because they hear a lecturer somewhere from uh, from europe from the state and then they see that an opportunity they decided to teach in school and it's become pressed out so from university this is the example that i give from taiwan right start from a campus in technical university in in taiwan and it spread out to become something that embraced by the community and from the community it get into the NGO and get into the government and later on the companies also started to adopt. So this is an example from Taiwan. But if you look at China, there is another mentality, as you said, right? Chinese people, they do not want to rely on an external provider. So they want to build things themselves and they see the value of like open source code because with open source, you can reuse, you can rebuild your own thing. So if you know that China is so famous for copying some, so this is what they're doing their best for, right? And then the open source will give you the freedom to copy, to distribute you July. And of course, the business only see that. And in China, the movement like going into different directions because these company like Tencent, Baidu, if you see they release a lot of open source, and then they somehow drive the direction of the government institution. So it's also now the government started to see they want to invest on open source in cloud, in AI, because all these uh, the topics are embraced by these like big companies in China. Coming to Singapore or Vietnam, I was born and grew up in Vietnam. So I mm-hmm. like, know that there's the scene around. And in Vietnam, it's a, a different concept. So, so in Vietnam, it's more about community user groups. So people get together to share certain technology and then more and more user groups added to form over the years and has become an ecosystem that connects each other. And from one of the user group the people have some kind of connection with the government and they inject the idea of open source into the ministry of technology. And another part of, of the movement we need to think about, we need to think about the people from the West. So that actually, like some years ago, there, there is uh, that one program initiated by the European Union where they bring companies in Europe, come to Vietnam to connect with people and introduce the concept of open source. So the event we call Fosbridge, it happened in 2000 It was in 2007, was at the time when I first learned about open source myself. So, so we also get like knowledge exchange from, from people outside of the region. This is something that helped uh, to initiate the movement in Asia.
1: So, you know, Western countries and sometimes open source projects in, in Western countries are sometimes notoriously bad with their internationalization. How does it compare with the type of project that you are seeing in Asia? Like, do you see that there's more of an effort of building things in a way that it's able to be adopted worldwide? Or do you still see these both kind of regions kind of very siloed in stills? I'm just wondering, like, how's that relationship?
2: Yeah, so I'm not sure if I totally agree with this, because I think that a lot of uh, product that we from the West also widely adopts in Asia. So, yeah, I mean, when people develop a project and if they aim for to release it open source, it's already it have the globalization angle into it. So it's not like only be for a specific group of people, but for like could be adopted by anyone. But I think the, the, the thing that you pointed out, maybe I understand the different ways is uh, more about the user friendly of the project. Sometimes people build an open source project. Let's say if you go to the CCC, you go to to conference in Europe, they build something but really specific to developers. So it's not really easy, user-friendly for the mainstream people. So this is something that I see in many open-source projects. The same in Europe, or US, or even like the, uh, similar to Asia. So when people develop something, so they're curious, they, they like the technology. So they're really into like making all kinds of feature work, but they play lack of attention into the interface and the user behavior. And this is been seen a lot. I believe that you mentioned this, right? Yes. So I believe that you want to emphasize the fact that it's, of course, it's similar everywhere, but it also gets like changing over time because of the idea of sustainability, right? So you talk about sustainability is about how you can sustain open source project, how you can commercialize open source project. And it's only possible if you build open source project for the user. So for the normal people, not only among your developer group. And I think this is a really big step in the entire open source development that people start to realize and have to recognize that they need to onboard normal user, normal customer in order to sustain their project and in order to commercialize their solution.
0: So I really like that framing a lot, obviously, mostly because most of our guests don't actually use the S word and it's really great when they do on this podcast. So thank you. So you mentioned that commercializing projects is part of Sustain. I agree. That's certainly a subset of it. I'm really interested in how FOSS Asia has grown over time to all of these different countries. Because for me, what's really interesting about open source isn't so much the commercialization or the licensing. For me, it's all about community. I really love that part of open source and getting people together and having them share ideas and just be excited. So How did you go from where you were to where you are and how many people are in FOSS Asia? How many countries are represented?
2: So if you look at our GitHub, of course, I cannot just only rely on GitHub, but we have 5,700 contributors on our GitHub. Not everyone active every day, but I think that the numbers continue to grow, and we are growing very, very fast. In the the network, we have 30,000 people supplied to, to, to our community and a lot of people, thousands of people on every channel on our Gitter channel. So Gitter is a platform we use for individual open source projects. So I think over the year, what I see that helps us to grow is the mindset, the collaboration mindset. So similar to, to the industry world, there's always... A competition among like different companies and it's similar to, to, to in the open source community, right? People sometimes, even though we foster the idea of collaboration, work together, but people sometimes hesitate to collaborate. They'd rather do their own thing and follow their own path. But for us, we really open, we, we collaborate with all kinds of partners in Asia. So not only focusing only on force Asia, as an organization, but we work together with many user groups, open source Hong Kong, all Myanmar, open source in the Philippines, in, in Indonesia, we really connect all these groups together. And one thing that I think that we're proud to do, when uh, so we also uh, operate in a very uh, like limited uh, resources, but when we get the resources, we, we tend to distribute to to help other organizations to join and, and work together with us. Like the, I, I mentioned earlier, we run coding program, code heat. So in this coding program, we distribute like fund to open source contributor who actually work and contribute to open source project. So I understand that in sustain, you also have different initiative where you have like open source project to get funding, right? In the same for us, not in the last scale, but whatever we we got, we distribute and we share with with other community, and we really want to to grow the ecosystem. For instance, another example I can share with you, event yay it's the event management system that we develop but we do not develop everything ourselves. So we plug in Big Blue Button. we plug in 3C. So we promote other open source projects in the ecosystem so that we can continue to grow together. So not only as individuals, So I think the, the strategy that helps us to continue to, to grow what we are doing and continue to connect and partner with other organizations. We also have a strong connection with universities around Asia as we run like training and workshops in cooperation with them, with uh, with student clubs. So there are many uh, student clubs coming uh, everywhere. And this is a very nice thing, right? You see young people now started to use open source and adopt open source in high school even.
0: That's so cool. And it's so cool to, to see that you give it back and you try to make sure that other local user groups do well. So that's a really good model. And we also see that elsewhere. We see that a bit in OSCA, which is, I think, kind of a sister organization in my head, at least. Right. It's like a large continent wide. Here's what's going on. Pia, I think, is frowning or smiling at me. I can't tell. No, I'm going.
1: I'm going. I was thinking because I was also thinking about OSCA, but I I didn't know if Hong knew what it was. So OSCA is Open Source Community Africa.
0: Thank you. And also, maybe all of our listeners don't know. So that's really great. So OSCA is really awesome. And we've had some of their guests on here before. So when thinking about FOSS Asia, Asia is a huge place. It is massive. And it also has a lot of different countries that don't always agree with each other or play nice. And so do you have any tensions in FOSS Asia? I know this is a hard question. I know. But I'm just curious how you deal with having people from different countries that may not always like each other working together under the same umbrella
2: of course, there are always like a conflict. Conflict is also have people to roll, right? And not even different countries, people in the same country can also have tension and conflict. If you look at India, I use India as an example because we have a lot of developers in our network coming from India, right? So if you come from different cities, different parts of India, the tension is there. I think we have a good guideline. So we don't like, enforce any policy, but we have a good practice that we use the channel only for technical related topics. So I, I see in the past, many older open source projects, they, they discuss a lot in terms of, of policy income of personal feeling and many other topics. So we keep it in like a very professional way. People discuss on topic, on technical topic, and they want to get things done. They want to get like something happen. Their attention, of course, their attention, their conflict sometimes, but the thing about us, if we detect it very quickly, we have people have conversation together and of course there is a lot of possibility that you can move to another project or move to like working on another feature. So if you see that something happen every day, I don't see it as a big, like the tension, quite strong For instance, if you look at the PR, just simply open a bit back, you will see already how people communicate. Some people have this opinion, they shouldn't be done that way or it, it should make another way. But until now, they still keep the, the language really uh, moderated. So, so I do not have an example where... We have to make a decision to remove or to uh, block uh, any of, uh, of our members.
0: That's really good to hear. And <laughs> I'm glad that you have that under control. That sounds, I mean, it makes sense to me, right? Open source developers want to work together. They want to make sure the things are great. They're not interested in broad scopes. Oh, go ahead.
2: I think I want to add another angle here. So if you see compared to delay like, how you say, war on the mailing list or, or the war on, on PR and stuff, right? You need to see the different mindset. So in Asian mindset, if we don't like something, then we would just go away, and people don't really vocally come out and try to <laughs> confront you. This is the, the, the majority? I wish sometimes.
0: we had that in America. So, like, really. Yeah. So
2: uh, it's could also uh, one of the reason. Yeah, we don't like to confront uh, people in in public, even though it still happen, of course, but uh, it's less compared to perhaps a community that that you know. Of. America,
0: yeah, <laughs> we love confronting people in public, but that's our main pastime. So. Do you use English mainly as the lingua franca or are there like subgroups for each language or each language grouping?
2: So we use English as the the main communication mean. However, when there is uh, a meeting, if there's only uh, so each individual group, they they work on uh, one particular feature. So if that a group from India, they working on a feature. They want to have a meeting. So then they can choose to have the meeting in their local language because I participate in some of the meetings where they speak only Hindi. So I just drop in and see they have regular like, project um meetings. Yeah, and if the developers from Vietnam working together with a small group on a feature, they can choose to speak their language. But everything, the development must happen on, on GitHub. So all the issues, all the pull requests happen on GitHub and everything is in English.
1: I'm curious about your opinion or any insights um, that you might have about like going back to India, like India stack and what they're building there. And I don't know, it seems like the protocol or the layer approach to build things for 1.2 billion Indians seems like a really great model for us to look into for Asia. So is that something that false Asia would be interested in? because I know you also develop and build so that you would be interested in maybe supporting or are you thinking about like building protocol or base layers for like the whole of Asia to build products
2: for? Yes. So that is another excellent point about India. So it is a huge publication, a huge market, a lot of developers, right? Of course, when we build a platform like Eventy, we also look into what could fit well into the Indian market. So what kind of payment gateway they use inside India? What kind of, uh, of solution that's marked into this particular region? So we are thinking about this we constantly work on our solutions how to cater to Indian developers but if you see if you talk about the user market, yes of course like it is a huge market and uh, if you develop a solution you need to look into what kind of platform available in India and iterate into your solution but if you look into developer communities so actually Indian developers are strongly exposed to what's happening in the global scale in, in other global projects so i are very familiar with contributing to various already well-known projects So the process, how they work very common. So it's only the fact about if you want to approach the, the user markets, of course, the only thing to consider what was the feedback best to uh, yeah, to, to that region.
0: So there's been a, a lot of other umbrella organizations that I've recently been really privy to or just heard about. So I'm curious how FOSS Asia compares to say, Linux Foundation or Open Forum Europe, do you have interest in setting policy for open source in governments in Asia or in large organizations?
2: I think that we all have our own different objectives. So the Open Forum Europe, they do not develop software or hardware. We develop software or hardware ourselves. So they look into a very initial angle with like develop policy with government on the policy. So. In Force Asia, we support open source policy. We also work with different uh, like groups to bring open source into government. Like, as I mentioned earlier, like in our network, we have the Ministry of Education. We have the Ministry of Technology. Of course, we try to push the idea into the government. But the way how Asia works is also very different than if we don't have a group like the European Commission, where you can develop a common policy that applies for all different countries. So here you need to work with individual countries. So we are partner with the Ministry of Education in Singapore, with the Ministry of Education and Technology in Vietnam. So every country have their own um, ministry. And of course, working in policy, not simple in Asia, we support, we try not like directly like tell them, okay, this is, you have to go for a product you use in Europe, but but we show them what are the opportunity, what kind of solution that coming out. So they more focus on the solution if they see there is a benefit with open source. They will pick it up and change step by step. So we cannot just go directly to a politician and tell, okay, this is open source, we use it. We don't have that right. Like what people have in Europe, I participated in one meeting with the European Commission where people got invited to give their opinion and and tell the the commission, okay, this is the thing that the commission should be doing. We don't have this opportunity. We don't have the chance that that the government will sit down with us and listen to us. So we need to show them the benefits of open source and then they will start to adopt and see themselves.
0: Excellent answer. I know that you have an event coming up, FOSS Asia, the FOSS Conference. Uh, Can you talk a bit about that? What's going on? What's going to happen? How many speakers? When is it?
2: Yes, so it's going to be in March from 13 to 21 of March. We have now confirmed over 160 speakers from 33 countries, like from um, six continents around the world, which is really exciting. Normally we have it in Singapore. It's a good opportunity where people can get together face to face to share ideas, exchange knowledge, right? We've been running it for 12 years already. And for me, so it's not only an event. It's, it feels always very rewarding to see what coming out of Force Asia. So I see friendship. I see partnership. I see projects coming out of the Force Asia Summit. For instance, the Pocket Science Lab or event yet, This is something that really coming out of this event. And I see that people move to the country where we organize Force Asia. So people get a job. But in Singapore, we both started their own project or, in, or begin their open source journey. And they come back again the next year, the year after and so that Because of Force Asia, they are here today where they are, which just makes me very happy and keep us uh, going.
0: It's hard to see, oh, listeners, because you don't have the visual, but like Hongfok just looks so happy right now. So it's really (laughs) great. And I'm really excited about Plus Asia. We're hoping to get this podcast out just in time for you all to attend. So March 13th, uh, please go and check out the line of speakers. Go and listen to the talks. Seems like a really welcoming organization. So I'm just going to go ahead and say you're all welcome to do that. Where can people follow you online? Before we get to our spotlight, I just want to make sure that people know that where they can see Foss Asia, where they can follow you, what's going on?
2: Yes, so they can just go to, for the event, go to summit.fossasia.org and you can follow me online as hpdang. H-P-D-A-N-G, H-P-D-A-N. And uh, Foss Asia is the handle for Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere. We are on LinkedIn as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Now is one of my favorite parts of the show. I just want to shed light back onto other projects that have really helped us out, get to where we are. So this is the spotlight section. So Pia, what's your spotlight?
1: So my spotlight today is a project that we've been supporting from the Open Collective Foundation via a grant to support internet freedom technology. And the project is called PyGuard. PyGuard is an out-of-the-box VPN that they build by embedding WireGuard on a Raspberry Pi. And the good people of PyGuard, actually the good people of Nothing to Hide that build PyGuard are shipping these boxes to journalists, uh, human rights activists around the world. So yeah, it's a really cheap, easy way to get a VPN. So PyGuard.
0: Thank you so much. My spotlight today is Open Source Cafe. This is a literal cafe where you can get coffee in Tokyo. So I went to give a talk at JSConf Tokyo or NodeConf. I forget what the actual conference was. But at some point, we're all like, hey, there's a cafe on the other side of town, which is just called the Open Source Cafe. You can go there and hack and open source things and get coffee at the same time. As far as I know, this is the only one in existence, like an open source themed coffee place. So... Definitely, if you're in Tokyo, go. It looks like they're closed right now. I've linked to the website, their Medium site. But uh, Open Source Cafe, it was super fun to go there and be like, "This is bizarrely awesome, only in Japan." All right, Hong, what is your spotlight today?
2: Okay, so my spotlight today, I want to say Eventyate. So this is the open source event management system with video integrated, built by the Force Asia community. So we're using it for to organize our own event. And we will support this uh, under the Open Collective as well. And then Force um, Responder Initiative. So thank you for that. I hope that uh, you try out and give us feedback for EventYay. EventYay.com.
0: Hong, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. I've learned so much. I'm so grateful. Foss Asia is awesome. And it's super great to see how it's going. I really hope that the summit is a huge success. It sounds like it is because it sounds like it always is. And that's probably due to your tireless, ceaseless, awesome work. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me. It was great to see you both.